You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall, who is here for you guys. If you are looking for any type of Georgia gear or accessories, Alumni Hall is hands down the go-to spot. They've got tons of national title gear still in stock right now. New stuff coming in. Seems like every single time I'm in there. Whatever brand is your brand of choice, Alumni Hall's got it. Whether it's Nike, Nike Golf, Peter Millar, Johnny O, Cutter and Buck, you name it, they've got it. they got this incredible hat wall which covers, it seems like, half the store. And you're going to find hats that you literally cannot find anywhere else. And as a person who is follically challenged, I am a connoisseur of hats because I have to protect what's going on up there. And Alumni Hall and their selection never lets me down, so make sure to check them out today in-store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com. But I am your host, Tyler, and happy National Signing Day to all of you wonderful Georgia football fans, all of you wonderful listeners out there. At least, I guess, happy old traditional National Signing Day, but still Signing Day nonetheless, kind of, sort of. I know I said it back in December when we had the early signing period, but I just got to say it again. Now that we are here on the day that used to be the biggest day on the entire recruiting calendar, I missed that. Like, I missed that one big signing day. I know why we went to an early signing period. I think that might be on its way out sooner rather than later. I know the coaches are not happy with it because of the chaos it creates with the transfer portal, signing day, getting ready for bowl preparation, especially if you're playing, I don't know, in a college ball playoff game. There's just a lot going on. It's during the holiday season. I mean, this early signing period was just a couple of days before Christmas. It was like December 21st, December 22nd. So it might be on its way out. I know they're revisiting the the recruiting calendar, so I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe we go back to this old school, just one traditional signing day in February. There's, There's a couple different options and proposals proposals out there, but I miss it. I really do because it was an awesome day going to the blind pig, hanging out, watching those letter of intents come in, hearing guest speakers, enjoying Georgia football in the middle of the winter. I, I miss that. I don't know if I'll ever get back to that, but man, like those of you who, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know, but those of you who used to partake in, in that, and even if you didn't come to Athens and go to the blind pig or do that kind of thing, and you were just like constantly hitting refresh on your computer at work and constantly checking your phone for updates, you got to miss that, right? I, I certainly do. But 
we have what we have now, and uh, we just got to make the most of it. And it was a good day. This was a good day for the Georgia Bulldogs. No, we did not make the big splash that we were hoping for to close out this 2023 class. But again, I, I will still maintain it was a really good day for the dogs. Uh, we'll get to all of that, all the recruiting talk. And there's a ton of that, we're, that we are going to get to today, guys. But first, I do want to open the show by circling back to something that we talked about with the mailbag episode earlier this week, and that is the Todd Munkin saga, because we have some updates to the saga, if you want to call it that. I don't think it's kind of elevated itself to saga level, but you know what? Let's whatever. Let's have some fun with it. But we talked about it, I think on Tuesday was when we actually post the show, maybe late Monday night. But one of the big questions we got from multiple people out there was Todd Munkin. Like, will he stay? Will he go? What's happening here? If he does leave, who do we replace him with? And so we opened the show on Tuesday with that conversation. And the big threat that really got us all on edge, I guess middle to late last week, was news that Todd Munkin had indeed interviewed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for their vacant offensive coordinator job once Byron Leftwich was let go from the Bucs. And knowing his background, having been the offensive coordinator previously with Tampa for three seasons before he came here to Athens, I guess he had a stop in Cleveland before that, but he was the coordinator there for three years and had a lot of success, uh, especially with their passing offense. And I think he has a son that's in college in the Tampa area. So I was like, uh-oh, like, uh, I don't know. Like he's not interviewing just to interview. Like he's, there's some level of interest there. And he started to hear some, some news, some buzz around potentially the Baltimore Ravens job and the Los Angeles Chargers job came open. So there's a, a couple available spots there that were pretty attractive spots potentially for an offense coordinator. And Todd Munkin's right now, probably his name is hotter than it ever has been and probably ever will be after not only being a, a massive part of back-to-back national titles, but also producing what I have said many times is what I believe to be the greatest offense in Georgia history, at least from a production standpoint. So his name is hot. And if you're going to strike, if you really want to get back in the NFL, if you harbor those aspirations, now is the time to strike. So yes, as I told you on Tuesday, I've been uh, I've been a little concerned. I, I've been concerned because I'm a massive fan of Tom Monk, and you guys know that if you've been with us for a while, going back to 2020, his first year here during the COVID year, even though the, the results of that season were ultimately what we were hoping for, I saw a dude that knew what he was doing. I saw a guy that was dialing up plays, scheming guys open left and right. And we just weren't consistently executing those plays. But uh, I was sold really in 2020. And certainly I was sold last year and this year. I mean, if I, if you weren't already sold, like, I mean, you had to be sold this year. So uh, there's been a level of concern, but now a couple of days later, update time, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better about Todd Munkin still being our offensive coordinator during the, at least the 2023 football season. And for a couple of reasons, you know, uh, again, I thought it might be Tampa Bay, but I don't know if you missed it today. If you don't live on planet earth, you might've missed that Tom Brady has allegedly, apparently officially. So he says retired like for the, for the final time, this is it. And I think that would make that job a lot less attractive because there's just uncertainty there. Like, who is going to be the quarterback there? Do you, If you're Todd Munkin, do you want to leave this stable position that you have here at Georgia with all the talent that you have to work with? Or you're going to be successful year after year after year because how could you not be if you know what you're doing with this talent on hand and go to a spot that might or might not have a quarterback? Like, who the quarterback's going to be? There's no telling there. We don't know. We just know it's not going to be Tom Brady. I thought the chance to potentially work with Tom Brady might be uh, something that was intriguing and enticing to him, but that's no longer a factor. And really on top of the instability at the quarterback position 
in Tampa. Really, there's just a level of instability in that entire coaching staff. You know, how long is Todd Bowles for that job? Like, honestly, how long is he for that job? I know that Bruce Arians is not happy with some of the coaches that they let go in. In Bruce Arians, I know it's not the coach anymore, but he was kind of he's involved the pro he's involved with the franchise. And when he retired, he wanted to have his handpicked successor. He wanted it to be Bowles, and he wanted guarantees that those guys were going to stay on and be a part of that Tampa Bay staff. But they let a bunch of those guys go after a very disappointing season. Yes, they made the playoffs, but that's only because they played in the worst division of football, which, as you Atlanta Falcons fans certainly know, is the NFC South, if not the worst, certainly one of the worst. I guess maybe the the NFC, the AFC South would would want, would want a word there, but one of the two worst divisions in the NFL. So I was like, I don't know, like there's an instability, the quarterback position, the, the coaching staff in general, do you want to go there and jump on a staff where Todd Bowles and the entire staff are let go a year from now when you can sit here in Athens and have that job for as long as you possibly want and have a ton of success year after year, take that shot, that three-piece something that hadn't been done. I, I'm sure it's been done at some point, but it hadn't been done in a hell of a long time. So I think that certainly, if Tampa was a spot that he was strongly considering, which I, I was concerned that it was, I think uh, you have to feel a lot better now following the events of the past day and a half or so. And then if you look at one of the other alternatives, at least a, a, a franchise that's had some buzz when it comes to Todd Munkin, the Baltimore Ravens, there's still a lot of drama there with Lamar Jackson. You know, obviously, again, you Falcons fans have probably heard the rumors, Lamar Jackson to Atlanta, you're working out of the trade package. I mean, we'll see. I don't know if I buy any of that. But we do know that Lamar Jackson has had a contract dispute with the Ravens for the better part of a year now. Man, played out last offseason. They didn't get a deal done before the season. He played through the season and uh, got hurt. And there, there's still no... There's no clarity there. So do you take that job not knowing if 100% sure that you're going to have Lamar Jackson? And if you don't, then is it Tyler Huntley? I mean, hey, Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley with two touchdown passes? Uh, yeah, yeah, Pro Bowl, that's not irrelevant, right? But I don't know that. I don't know if that's the spot. And then it, the Chargers went and hired Kellen Moore from, well, not from Dallas, Dallas and, and more parted ways, but they hired Kellen Moore, who's a young up-and-coming coach who a lot of people are very high on, so that's not an option anymore. So I think the the, the potential landing spots are certainly starting to dwindle right now, and I, I think right now I would lean strongly towards Munkin being back up in the booth for the Georgia Bulldogs in 2023. I mean, I know people ask me to put a percentage on it. I've got, I have had a couple of questions about that today. I don't know, man. Um, I that's usually I just feel like I'm pulling something out of a hat. I don't know. Let's say right now, though, how I'm feeling, I'd say about a 85 to 90 percent chance, based off the events of the past day or two, that I think Todd Munkin will be back as the offense coordinator for our dearly beloved Georgia Bulldogs in 2023 and that is music to my ears as I believe this dude is as good as it gets and there's a reason why we pay him more than any assistant coach in all of America because he is that good it's not just me saying it Kirby and uh, our administration certainly feel the same way about Todd Munkin so if he does indeed end up back on staff and just remains hey he was he was here now I mean he Obviously lives in Athens right now, but he was at an event here in Athens with Kirby at the Foundry last night downtown. So I don't know how much you read into that because he still is under contract with Georgia. And so when you're under contract, there are responsibilities and obligations. So maybe it was just one of those things, or maybe it's a sign that you can kind of read into that. Oh yeah, like he's back. He's back. Like those those NFL potential options aren't really as enticing to him as maybe they once were. And uh, we've got him. So hopefully we'll see. Uh, if you don't hear anything within the next, I'd say week or so. I think it's probably a done deal. But right now, I feel pretty strongly that Todd Munkin will be back up in the booth for us next year. And that is that is awesome, awesome news. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, on to recruiting. Done with the appetizer. Let's get on to the main event today, National Signing Day. I guess it's still National Signing Day, even though our entire class was pretty much already in the bag. We came into the day number two behind Alabama in the 24-7 sports, 247 sports recruiting rankings. And we ended the day number two in the 247 sports recruiting rankings through composite rankings, which is what I put more stock on because it takes into account all the different rankings out there. So um, yeah, not a ton of news in the 2023 class. There was really only one big name, one huge name that we were waiting on. And it was the number one tight end in the country, five-star prospect, number 19 prospect overall in the country, Deuce Robinson, tight end out of Arizona. That was the name that we were waiting on. And for the past month or so, really going back to the early signing period, I felt really good about Deuce Robinson, our chances to land him. Obviously, you see what we do with our tight ends. With Brock Bowers, obviously winning the Mackey Award for as the nation's best tight end. And Darnell Washington having an awesome year and maybe even finding a way to work himself into the first round of this of this NFL draft in April, I think is when it is. April, May, I think it used to be May. Now it's April sometime in the spring, um, early summer, I guess. So, you know, we are tied into you right now, and I felt good about that. All the reports you're hearing is Deuce Robinson is really trending towards Georgia. And as we said on Tuesday, because we got a question about this, it was down to Georgia and, and Southern Cal. Like, that's what all the recruiting writers are saying, Georgia, USC. There's other colleges out there, other universities. You've got Alabama was, of course, going to be involved. Oregon was involved, but they weren't really major players. There's really Georgia and Southern Cal. That's why I told you guys... I felt it was a 50-50 shot at the very least. Uh, I felt a little bit better than that, maybe 60-40. But as we also mentioned on Tuesday, there's been more and more buzz around the idea that he would not sign with anyone today on National Sign Day. He would rather just wait until the summer and just show up on campus somewhere before everybody's supposed to report. And that is ultimately what ended up happening. He has delayed his decision. He gave an interview today. I watched it. And he, um, he didn't really give away too much. I mean, again, this is not surprising as we've heard this for about the past week or so and it's picked up with intensity with each passing day. By the time last night got here, I was like, yeah, he's not he's not signing anywhere to, uh, on signing day. He's just not going to. But in the interview, um, he said he does want to make his decision before move-in date in the summer. So before you know the guys that aren't early enrollees move in in the early part of the summer and start taking classes, he wants to play early. That's my big concern here because early playing time might not be as readily available here 
as it would be at USC. Obviously, with Brock Bowers coming back for another year, Oscar Delp's been the system, who is also a fantastic player. And oh, by the way, we did sign two other really, really good tight ends in this class in Lawson Lucky out of Norcross and Pierce Sperlin out of Florida. I mean, Lawson Lucky, guys, is the number 143 prospect in the country, and Pierce Sperlin is a top 100 guy. He's number 76 in the country. And he's he's more his profile physically is more like Deuce. He's taller, longer, 6'6", 240. So we have two studs coming in this class. We've got two studs already on campus. So early playing time, there's not near as much of a guarantee here in Athens as there would be in Southern California. So uh, that's my one big concern there. Baseball, for a while, has been thought to be a big factor here. And I was very curious to hear what he had to say. I was hoping they would ask him that question in that interview. And he said, you know, again, he wanted to make a decision before move-in date in the summer, which is usually late May, early June, right? The base, the Major League Baseball draft is not until July. So I I, that doesn't seem to mesh, right? So if he's waiting on the draft, because he, he is a Major League Baseball draft prospect. Like he's going to get drafted. It's a matter of where does he get drafted, how high does he get drafted. I mentioned on Tuesday he had a private workout with the Dodgers with a small group of maybe 10 to 12 guys uh, a couple of weeks ago. So this guy's big time. Like he, He's a big time baseball player. People compare him to Aaron Judge, obviously with the size, that kind of thing. But I don't know. Like I think he wants to play college football. And I know he said that in the past, like he wants to play college football. Because why would you say, all right, I want to make a decision and before moving date, like get on campus so I can get in the playbook and start going through summer workouts with my teammates, which is what he said. He said, I want to go through summer workouts with my teammates when the Major League Baseball draft is not until July, which is after you would be reporting and after you would start the uh, the preparation process and working out with your teammates on campus. So that doesn't seem to quite mesh with me. So I do think he wants to play college football. It's just a matter of him trying to make up his mind exactly where. My thought on this is that he wants to probably go to Georgia because he knows how we use our tight ends and he knows what Brock Bowers has done and he thinks he could probably be that, if not more. But again, the problem is playing time. The playing time is more available at USC, even though they might not use their tight ends to the degree that we do. They might not be featured as much as, as we feature our tight ends. Now, I'm sure Lincoln Riley is, is certainly trying to sell him the idea, hey, we'll use you, we'll feature you, but we'll see. I don't know. Like it, It's... It's one of those things they can wait as long as they want, guys. They can sign their letter of intent whenever they want. They don't they don't have to do it on signing day. They can sign it in the summer. They can just show up on campus and never really sign it and just start and enroll and start taking classes and work out with the program. You can do that too. So it's going to be the summer, uh, another couple of months of waiting out. This is not unprecedented. This has happened plenty of times before. I mean, not a ton of guys do it, but sometimes these big time prospects, especially guys that are two sports stars, you'll see them do this. Now he's going to play baseball wherever he goes. That's what he said. So uh, I don't know. I, if we get him, that's awesome. But I'm not going to sit and wait with bated breath for the next couple of months. Oh my God, are we going to get Deuce Robinson? Because if we land him, the way I look at it is, it's just a luxury. It's gravy on top of an already awesome recruiting class and already an awesome tight end class. And guys, we're in it for the number one tight end in the country next year. And if we don't land Deuce Robinson, that probably puts us in a better position, position for next year's class to land the number one tight end. His name is Landon Thomas. He's from Georgia. He's from Colquitt County. In fact, he's already on our commit list, but I have concerns like if we take three tight ends in this class, two top 100 guys, the number one tight end in the 2023 class with no class separation there, and you also still have Oscar Delp on campus, who's awesome in his own right, does Landon Thomas start to look elsewhere? Does he maybe start to look towards Florida State, which who I know is trying to get back in that recruitment. So if we don't end up landing Deuce, that's okay. Like he's a great player. I'm not saying he's not a great player. He's freaking awesome. I told you guys on Tuesday that I think if we landed him, he'd instantly be the second best tight end on the team. Because I, I think that highly of him as an athlete. But not landing him also probably puts us in a better position to continue to hold on to Landon Thomas in the 2024 class. Because you like that class separation. I mean, three tight ends in one class. 
That's that's a lot in one class. I know we play two tight ends over 50% of the time in our 12 personnel, but that's that's a lot in one class. There's no class separation there. So it would be a luxury. It'd be great because he's fantastic and he's incredibly talented, but we're okay. In fact, we are more than okay. That's just, um, there'd be a little extra gravy. Now, there was another tight end that we were recruiting that wasn't uh, talked about as much, and it's a dude from California. His name is Walker Lyons. The reason he wasn't getting as much conversation, he's he's a top one, he's a top two four seven player. I think he was number one twenty four nationally in two four seven composite. So a really highly rated tight end in his own right. But the reason you haven't heard as much t- talk about him is because he is going to go on a Mormon mission. He's a Mormon guy. He's going to go on a mission for two years. That's how that works. So he would not be on campus for a couple of years. And so even though he'd be a part of this class. He wouldn't be reporting right away, so it gives you a little class separation, but he ultimately decided to commit to USC. Now, does that have any effect on Deuce Robinson? I know that would be the question. Again, I don't think so because he's going on a Mormon mission, which means he would not really be there while Deuce Robinson is there, at least not the first couple of years Robinson would be able to come in and establish himself. But he was a guy that we were heavily involved with as well. He ends up going to USC, staying in his home state there in California. So I told you guys it was a good day for the dogs, right? Well, how can I say that it's a good day when we didn't land either of the two remaining targets that we were really after with Deuce Robinson and Walker Line. How could it be a good day if we don't land any of those guys? Well, we might not have added any ammunition to our 2023 class, but we did land the number one cornerback in the 2024 class, next year's class, a guy named Ellis Robinson IV, the number eight prospect overall, number one cornerback in the 2024 class out of IMG. And guys, I love this guy. Uh, I really, 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 really like this guy. He's got really good length. I like what he brings to the table from a size standpoint. Uh, he's only six foot 175, but he looks bigger. He looks longer than that. I don't know if those measurements are up to date and if they're completely accurate. He is a glider. He's one of these guys that just moves effortlessly out there. He's got really good ball skills and fantastic athlete. His acceleration and change of direction are elite. A hundred percent elite. He can he explodes not just in the ball carrier, but when a receiver cuts off a route, he can drive off that plant foot and just explode through that and make a play on the ball. I'm very, very high on him. I mean, there's a reason why he is the number one cornerback in the country. I think this is a guy that could come in. And guys, we are recruiting the cornerback position with the secondary in general, as well as anybody in America over the past couple of years. I mean, we are loaded. That's why guys like James Singletary, who's a five-star last year, having to transfer out because, hey man, like it's a battle back there. You got a bunch of dudes in our secondary trying to fight for playing time, trying to scrap for playing time. And he's going to be in that mix as well. I'm really excited about him because there's going to be some time available. There's some class separation because we know that Kamari Laster is going into his third year. If Kamari has the kind of year that he wants and we all want him to have, that spot will be open. You have Dalen Everett who will be going to his second year next year, who I think will probably win that job. It's still open. I think it'll be Dalen Everett, but if he does end up winning that job because he was the, the first guy off the bench there at that position this year, then he's he's got two more years in that spot, and that spot will be open. So there'll be some opportunities for Ellis Robinson, the fourth, to get into the conversation for playing time, and I think his voice will be heard. I mean, that dude, he can absolutely play, man. He's an elite athlete. Sometimes it looks like he's not moving that fast because it's just so effortless. Again, he's a glider, but man, like I actually like those kind of guys, the fluid athletes. Because those, to me, are the most athletic guys out there in the field. And he, he certainly fits that profile. So, no, we did not land Deuce Robinson. We didn't get Walker Lyons. No ammunition added to this 2023 class. But we did land the number one cornerback in next year's class. So that's why I say it's still a good day. Still a good day for the Georgia Bulldogs. But as I said earlier, guys, we came in today as the number two overall class in the 247 composite rankings. We ended the day 
number two overall in the 247 composite rankings. Yes, we're behind Alabama. You got to give the Tide credit. That is one hell of a class they put together. Nine five stars. You know, the Texas A&M class last year got all this talk as like the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes. And don't get me wrong, like from a number standpoint, like it was hellacious. Honestly, though, I think this Bama class rivals it. I, I think this Bama class is just as good, if not potentially better, than that AM class last year. AM signed 30 players. Uh, Bama signed 28 in this class, at least as of right now. I think AM was like six points ahead of where Alabama's class is this year, but that's also with two extra players. The average star rating, which is what I usually put more stock into, because some classes are bigger or smaller than others, just depending on on roster size and what's going on with, within your program. But their average star ranking is almost identical. It's very, very close. So we'll see how it plays on the field. And honestly, if they can just retain the majority of this class and not have like half of them just leave after one year, if they don't have that kind of attrition, it will end up being better than that Texas A&M class from last year. But great class for Bama. Got to give them credit. But guys, we're still right there. Like we're, we were the, had the number two class. I mean, there's no shame in that. I know we all want to be number one. We all want to beat our chest. Sure, you want to beat Bama in every walk of life, whether it's on the field, whether it's on the in the recruiting rankings. You want to beat Bama, of course. But here's the thing: I know that like they are not going anywhere, at least in the short term, because they have elite players. But I still trust number one our evaluation. Number two, our development. Just really number three, our coaching staff in general. I mean, guys, they cannot find coordinators. They can't get somebody to take those coordinator jobs at Alabama right now. I trust our staff and what they do from an evaluation standpoint, what they do from a developmental standpoint, much more than I trust the where Alabama is right now as a program. I'm not talking about Alabama you know, in the past. I'm talking about where they are right now and where we are right now. So as long as we are right there in the conversation, and we are like we we are right there by Alabama. They had two more commits than we did. Their average recruiting ranking was 94.78. Ours was 94.07. All right, so we're right there. And that the thing is that we are close enough to where evaluation and development and your coaching staff all of that matters. I mean, you can't be like, oh, let me pick a random team. I'm going to scroll down the recruiting rankings. And let's say like Arizona State, okay? Arizona State, you, even if they had these incredible coaches, like the greatest coaching staff in the history of coaching staffs, and they did a great job with identification and evaluation of these prospects, and they were landing all these big-time sleepers, and they were developing them, they turned out to be big-time players, their recruiting ranking their overall talent level is just not good enough to consistently, even re- remotely realistically compete for a national title. It's just not. They're 46 in the country this year, right? Well, when you're right there with Alabama, when the margins are that small separating your recruiting class, then absolutely evaluation and development and coaching matters. 100% it does. I mean, Alabama has been recruiting a little bit better than us for the past couple of years. And who's won the last two national titles? That's right, Georgia. Why? Evaluation, development coaching, all of those things. Alabama's not doing it at that level. Like they're going after big name guys and they're getting, we go after big name guys too, don't get me wrong. But we also land the Lad McConkeys of the world and we evaluate those guys and say, oh yeah, this guy, there's something to him. Why is no one recruiting him? We work these guys out and they get on campus and they develop and we work with them and they become big time difference makers for us. Jordan Davis, another example from last year. That's a three-star dude, right? It's a three-star back in the day. And no one thought Jordan Davis would grow up to be what Jordan Davis grew up to be. Now, kudos to Jordan Davis, tip of the cap there. 
But our staff also deserves a lot of credit for their, their evaluation there, identifying him, going after him, saying, this is the guy. Stars be damned. Who cares? This is the guy. And the him on campus, getting his weight down, getting the guy in shape, getting this guy to grow and develop. And Jordan got better and better and better as the years went on. Stetson Bennett, another example. Bama's not doing things like that, guys. And that's why, sure, they finished number one. And that's great, good for them. It's a fantastic class. They're not going anywhere in the short term. I'll still take our guys. I'll take our guys. I'll take our roster. I'll take our coaches. I'll take our evaluation, our development, and put that up against anybody. And even if you don't want to listen to me and you're like, Tyler, that's just what losers say when you talk about evaluation and you talk about development, which is what Bama fans say, which is fine, whatever. But there's also this, if you're worried about the numbers. We did not take a quarterback in this class, not one quarterback in this class. And I mentioned that because quarterbacks are typically the one of, if not the most highest rated players in your class, especially if you're Georgia, Alabama, if you're at that level, if you're a blue blood, if you're winning national titles, that's an attractive spot, right? And we also took a kicker. Kickers are almost never rated more than two stars because they don't put a value on the position. Well, Bama took two quarterbacks in this class. That certainly inflates to a degree their numbers compared to ours, relative to ours. When they have two quarterbacks in their class, we didn't sign one, we signed a kicker. And I'm not saying that makes up for the entire difference, but if you if we had taken a quarterback or two like Bama did and we didn't take a kicker, then it would have been even closer. And the margins are already so, so incredibly small. So I wouldn't worry about it. If you want to, that's cool. But I'm very, very, very excited with this class. And honestly, this 2024 class, like I don't get too far ahead of myself, might end up being even better. Might actually end up being the best class in the Kirby Smart tenure, even more so than the 2018 class. If you look at some of the guys that we've already landed and some of the guys that we are heavily, heavily involved for right now. We'll see how it plays out. Long, long way to go. But just put that in your back pocket. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, guys. One more thing I want to do today before we get out of here because I thought this would be fun, right? I was trying to think about how can we kind of recap National Signing Day when we didn't really sign anyone in this class. We got one guy for next year's class, but nobody in this class. And I thought it'd be fun to do some National Signing Day superlatives. So go, this is the entire recruiting class as a whole, not just today because we didn't land anybody. Now, we are going to do over the next couple of weeks, next, next month or so, we're going to do a deep dive into this recruiting class. We're going to do a deep dive into the offensive players that we signed and the defensive players. And we'll talk about every single prospect that we signed in depth, give you all of our thoughts on each one of those players. It's really hard to do that on one episode. 
especially an episode where I already have a couple other things to talk about. One, it's about Todd Monk, and one's about our overall finish. One, talk about how we closed out today, all that kind of thing. It's just hard to fit all that in there, and, I, and you can't do it justice. So we're going to do it justice. We have time. It's the off season. We can get to those things and go deep on that here over the next month or so. So that's coming. That's coming. We will talk about every single player. We'll do those deep dives like we do each and every year. But I thought it'd be fun to just talk about a couple of the players here and do some signing day superlatives. And let's start with most talented. That is our first superlative. Who is the most talented player in this 2023 Georgia recruiting class? And honestly, this is kind of tough because I think there are a lot of really talented players in this class. But at the end of the day, I settled on a guy that I have fallen in love with over the past couple of weeks. I really liked him when we signed him. Um, in fact, he didn't sign right away. During the early signing period, he waited a week or so, and we ultimately ended up landing him. Florida was after him heavily, and that is defensive lineman out of Florida, out of Jacksonville, Jordan Hall. There's been some more tape that's come out on Jordan Hall within the past month or so since the early signing period that I had not seen before, and now that I have seen it, I am um, I'm obsessed with Jordan Hall. I don't want to put the pressure on him and, and say, oh yeah, he's going to be the next Jalen Carter, because that's not fair to the guy. But I, I mentioned Jalen Carter's name because Jalen Carter was an elite difference maker for us on the interior of our defensive line. And I've t- told you already, we're going to do, in, in a couple of weeks, we'll do our way too early preview of the 2023 season. And I've already kind of touched on a little bit over the past couple of weeks. One of my concerns for next year is who is that difference maker on the interior of our defensive line? Is it Bear Alexander? I think he could be. I hope so. We know Nas is back, and Nas is awesome. And is Nas like a, a, a disruptive force-type difference maker? I don't think that's really his role. I like what Warren Brinson brings to the table. But difference maker, like Jordan Davis-caliber difference maker, or Jalen Carter-caliber di- difference maker, or even Devontae Wyatt-caliber difference maker, I don't. we haven't seen that from him yet. So I, I just didn't, I was, I'm worried that we don't have that kind of guy. Jordan Hall is that guy. Jordan Hall is that kind of difference maker on the interior. When when I watched Jalen Carter at a high school, the first time I watched his tape was I, I believe it was a it was a spring scrimmage, and they put the tape out there because he didn't play defensive line the year before. He did a little bit, but he also played some offense like tight end. And he decided over that offseason that he was going to dedicate his time full time to the defensive line. And I knew he was athletic because I'd seen some clips. I'm like, oh yeah, this dude, this dude's athletic. But then I saw him in that spring that spring scrimmage. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Um, this guy is a, fr- a future like top five, top 10 draft pick. Like, this guy is a freaking monster. And I told you guys that back when he signed years ago. And then, you know, every now and then you get something right and it turned out to be to be the case. But I saw that and then I saw a senior film. It's like, oh my God, this guy is a freaking monster. And I feel the same way about Jordan Hall. Like when I see the high school tape, I'm not saying he's Jalen Carter because it's just tough to put those expectations on somebody. But I saw that type of difference-making ability in the high school tape. And you see him at the, under, at the All-American game, and he's just dominating people. I mean, those are the best players in the country, right? That's the idea behind these All-Star games, these All-American games. This guy's a monster. He's 6'3 and a half, 317. Thank God they moved this guy. I mean, I guess the rankings don't really matter. It just matters like how good are these players. But it just pisses me off sometimes when like I watch tape. I'm like, it's so obvious this guy is a five-star. Like, how can he not possibly be considered a five-star? And he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't like crazy underrated, but I mean he was a, a mid-four-star-ish kind of guy, or high four-star, I should say. But after his performance in uh with the All-American games and the practice leading up to that, he was catapulted um into the into the top 40 as a five-star prospect in the 247 composite, because all these different services out there, they they updated their rankings, released their final rankings ahead of signing day. And honestly, I still think he's underrated. Like, he's number 39 in the country in 247 composite. 
that's not right. Like he, I think he's a top 10 player in the class. Honestly, I, I, I don't see how he's not. I felt the same way about Jalen Carter. I'm like, how is this guy like a, not a top five player in the country? Like you're, this is insanity. How can you call yourselves recruiting reporters and writers and, and, and do this for a living if you don't see this guy as a top five prospect when you turn on the tape? Like, I don't understand. And I kind of feel that way about Jordan Hall. I will give 247 Sports credit. They have their own rankings, and within their own rankings, they have him as number 12 nationally, and that's far closer to where he should be. Um, 39 is too low. I mean, that's like he's a fringe five-star at 39. Like, this guy is not a fringe five-star. Like, if he's not a five-star, five-stars don't exist. So I do adamantly believe he is the most talented player in this class. I, he at least has the best tape that I've seen in this class. And uh, I think he's going to be a big-time difference maker for us. I don't know if it'll be year one, because I, as I say often, talk about you know freshmen coming in. Contributing in the trenches is tough. Like Even Jalen Carter, as good as he was, wasn't that guy right away. You saw flashes as a freshman in 2020, but he wasn't that guy right away. Same thing with Jordan Davis. Saw flashes, but he wasn't that guy consistently and not right away. So that concerns me, but I think he will play next year. And I think in a given year, and this guy is going to be a name that everyone around the country knows. He'll be the next great Georgia defensive lineman. I love this guy. Absolutely love him. All right, next up, we got the most likely to be a major year one contributor. I just mentioned Jordan Hall. There's a difference here. Most talented and most likely to be year one contributor. You would think, well, the most talented is going to contribute year one. Sometimes that's the case, but you also have to factor in opportunity and also position. Again, I, I think there's opportunity for Jordan Hall. I just don't always put a lot of stock into these freshmen on the on the interior of a defensive line or offensive line because that's just a man's league there. Although he's big, strong, fast, physical, explosive, all things that Jalen Carter is. That's what you see on tape when you see Jordan Hall. I mean, he just dominates people physically. He's got the explosiveness. He plays a really good pad level. Just a freak. But most likely to be a major year one contributor, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with safety Jonel Aguero, who also got moved up to five-star status in the 247 composite in the final rankings updates, number 37 overall. And like, look, this is not a shot at Aguero. Aguero is awesome. I'm talking about how I think he's going to be a major contributor for us in year one. But having him ahead of Jordan Hall, like, okay, uh, okay, all right, maybe, whatever, we'll see how it plays out, I just, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, Aguero is awesome, okay, and the reason I have him as a guy that is going to be the most likely to be a major year one contributor is that we have a wide open spot there vacated by Chris Smith, who is now going off to the NFL draft, we know we have Malachi Starks, but that spot where Chris Smith is playing is wide open, and do we have an odds-on favorite to win that job? I, I, you can certainly say David Daniel has a, has a chance to potentially put his name in that ring and, and win that job. I and mean, he's he's certainly going to gun for it. Dan Jackson will be back healthy. He's got a ton of experience. The coaches trust him. He'll certainly be in the conversation there as well. I think Tyke Smith's going to be in that conversation. So there's options there. But are any of those guys as talented as Jonel Aguero? I would argue no. They are not. Now they have a couple of years on him in, in the system and knowing what to do. Great. That's that's something, and that that certainly has to be a fact. That's going to help. Like he's going to have to learn the, the the spot. But you know who else is really talented, but had no experience coming this season? Malachi Starks. And what happened, to Malachi Starks? Oh yeah, he was starting by week two. I can see a very similar path for Janelle Aguero. I, I think this guy is going to play for us, and I think there's a chance at some point in the year that he could take over one of those starting jobs, take over that starting job that has been left behind by Chris Smith. I think this guy is fast. He's very physical. That's why I like him in the safety position. Like No safety is, or I should say very few safeties are great in coverage. And he's not elite in coverage, but he is athletic. He's physical. He's rangy. 
He is that intimidating presence back there, and he also tackles really, really well. I really, truly believe that he is going to be in the very thick of that position battle for that open safety spot. I mean, this guy is six foot, 195 pounds, number 37 overall. I actually got him from Massachusetts. We don't go into Massachusetts very often, but hey, Fran Brown, bringing in Fran Brown's secondary coach with his Northeastern ties, starting to pay off a little bit there. So very, very high on Janelle Aguero, and I think he's the guy, if you, if you factor in just opportunity and talent, I would peg him as most likely to be a major year one contributor. I'd also give an honorable mention to Tyler Williams with a rah-rah Thomas uncertainty. We don't know what's happening there. I don't want to write his his eulogy. He absolutely still could be on the roster. In fact, I think I said on Tuesday, I'd lean towards him probably still being on the roster. But with A.D. Mitchell moving on, who's that surefire big-time X receiver? Marcus Rosemey Jackson will play that spot, and I think he can be a big-time. I think he can be a really good player for us. I think he can be even more of a factor in the pass game. But he hasn't shown that consistently yet. Tyler Williams, I am really high on him coming out of of high school. This is a guy that I think has big time receiver potential. I think he's underrated. He's a top 100 guy, number 93 overall, 6'3", 200 pounds out of Lakeland, Florida. He's got the speed. He's got the ball skills. He he just moves so effortlessly, guys. He's another guy that moves really, really well. He knows how to high point the ball. I think he's a really good route runner for a guy that size. Sometimes you worry about guys being 6'3", 200 pounds. Do they run routes as well? I think he does. I think this guy's going to be a big time player for us. And I do think there's some opportunity there potentially in year one. So he'd be my honorable mention there as most likely to be a major year one contributor. All right, next superlative here is for the player most likely to have the best career. So this is like a career arc, like when his career is all said and done, who had the better career? I got to go back to my most talented player, Jordan Hall. It's got to be Jordan Hall, right? Like I, If I'm putting this guy, if I'm talking about him in the same air as Jalen Carter, and Jalen Carter might end up being the number one overall draft pick in the NFL draft this year. We'll see how it plays out. We'll be a top three, top five minimum, right? Maybe number one overall. Jordan Hall is, I think he's going to be that caliber player. I really, truly believe that. So even though he might not be as big of a year one contributor, I don't think he's going to start, but I do, I do think he'll get in the rotation at some point. But I think when it's all said and done, year two, year three, this guy is going to be an absolute animal in college and just destroy opposing offenses and completely wreck their game plans. So he'd be my answer there. Honorable mention would also go to Raylan Wilson. I think he might be the next great Georgia inside linebacker. I said last year I thought that might be Jalen Walker, but Jalen Walker seems to be a little bit in flux right now. He's going to play inside, he's going to play outside. I don't know, but we have... I mean, the best inside linebacking class in the country this year with Raylan Wilson and C.J. Allen and Troy Bowles. So I, I think any three, any one of those three could be, they're all awesome players. I'm high on every single one of them. I wish, like, I kind of wish we played like old school 4-3. We had all three of those guys on the field at the same time because they are that good. But of that group, I think Raylan Wilson is the standout. They're all incredible. They're all awesome. In fact, I think they're all kind of deserving of five-star status or close to it. But Raylan Wilson is a guy that we flipped from Michigan a while back and he has steadily risen up the rankings to the point now that he is a five-star prospect with, the, with this last recru- recruiting rankings update. He was a little small, um, but he's continued to grow and fill out and develop his size and strength. But athletically, this guy is unmatched. Like It's unbelievable how well this guy moves instinctively. Even though he's kind of small, he, he, was a, he was a big hitter still. And the thing is, he's a year younger than all these guys, right? He's only 17 years old. Dude's only 17 years old right now. So there's a lot of room for him to even get better and better and improve. And that's crazy to think when you think about how good he is right now. So honorable mention there goes to Raylan Wilson. I've got a couple more here real quick. Most underrated player in the class to me has got to be wide receiver Anthony Evans. And his ranking, I don't want to say it's criminal, but I I think it's 
way, way, way too low. So Anthony Evans, I get small, and maybe that's the knock on him. 5'10.5", 160 is what he's listed at on 247 Composite. He's ranked number 206 nationally. He's a four-star prospect, so it's not like it's egregious where he's like unranked and he's like a three-star prospect. It's not that egregious. But I think this guy is going to be a big-time weapon for our offense. He is explosive, guys, as explosive as it gets in this recruiting class. He's a 10 to 700-meter guy at a high school, 10 to 7. So he's not quite Arian Smith-level speed, but Arian Smith ran a, a 10-1 in college. As a high school player, Anthony Evans has run a, as a junior actually, ran a 10 to 7. That is speed. And I know he's small. I get that. I know he's more of a slot guy. But that's not as much of an issue as it used to be. In fact, I think the game has moved more towards these kind of guys. It's just having speed, getting these guys out in space, and just getting them the football. Look at Jalen Hyatt. That guy's a toothpick. He's a little taller and longer, but a toothpick. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. Same thing. You've got to have speed. And that's what Anthony Evans brings to the table. I think this guy is definitely a top 100 prospect. I'm not going to say he's a five-star because I get he's small. But I think he's closer to a top 100 guy than a top 250 guy, in my opinion. So I think he's the most underrated in this class. Next up, I got most intriguing. And the most intriguing prospect to me in this class is a guy that's that... I could argue he's underrated, but I mean, I don't know. He's, it's fine. He's ranked number 65 nationally, but he is an outside linebacker, an edge rusher out of IMG. We've got two edge rushers from IMG. I'm talking about Gabe Harris, okay? We know about Samuel Mpimba, who was a five-star, dropped in the last rankings. He's still a top 50 guy, but he's not a five-star anymore. And then Damon Wilson's the highest rated guy in the class, number 20 overall uh, out of Venice, Florida, a 6'3", 6'3 and a half, 225 edge rusher. And he, they're all going to be good. They're all going to be really good. And, but Gabe Harris is a guy that people don't really talk about as much. That's why I think he's intriguing. You hear him talk about Samuel and Pimba because he's like one of those guys, you want him to be the first off the bus. He's just jacked. He's just ripped. And he was a five-star for a long time. And then Damon Wilson was one of our big hits late in the cycle. Five-star, highest-rate guy in the class. Everybody talks about these guys. I don't think people talk about Gabe Harris, though. I think there's a world. When I turn on their film, when I turn on the tape, I can't help but think Gabe Harris might be better than Mpemba and Wilson, at least right now. Now, we'll see how these guys develop. There's a long way to go. But I think there's a world where Gabe Harris ends up being the best out of that trio of edge rushers. I really believe there's a world where that happens. I, every time I watch this tape, I'm really impressed with him. I think he's really athletic. I think he's powerful at the point of attack. He's got a really good punch. I think this guy is pretty polished as an edge rusher at this stage. I think this guy's a player. I think he's a big-time player, 6'4", 235. And that's why I think he's the most intriguing. He's, he's the lowest-ranked. Of our trio of edge rushers that we really need to load up on in this class, as we that is a position that we have not had a lot of depth at the past couple of years, and he doesn't get as much conversation, there's not as much talk about him. But I think he might end up being the best. We'll see. Long way to go, but to me, that makes him a pretty intriguing prospect. And to wrap things up here today, guys, we talked about great stuff so far today. I got to end on a sour note. I hate to do this, but any class, guys, you don't ever bat a thousand. You don't get every player you want, and this class is no exception. So our last superlative is biggest miss. So biggest player that we wanted to be in this class, but we did not hit, did not end up in this class. And I'm going to go with Caleb Downs here. Caleb Downs out of North Gwinnett High School, top 10 player. I think he ended up number eight overall, something like that in the 247 composite. He's elite, man. Like I love Janelle Aguero and he is awesome. I think he absolutely could be a starter for us very early in the season. But Caleb Downs is a different level, man. Like Caleb Downs is the truth. Like that guy is awesome. And you know, Gwinnett County strikes again. We talk about it often on this show. All these elite players out of Gwinnett County, they just far too often end up going elsewhere. Maybe one day we'll be able to turn that around. I know it's a very transient area. I know that because I grew up there. 
But um, Caleb Downs out of Mill Creek High School, that guy, size, speed, athleticism, strength, power, all those things. Like He's got everything you want. He is the total package of safety. And for him to be an hour or so from campus, really less than an hour if there's not much traffic from campus, that hurts. That hurts to lose him. And it hurts to not just lose him, but to lose him to Alabama. Don't like to see that. I mean, look, our program is bigger than any one player. We're fine. Janelle Aguero is fantastic. Malachi Stark's freaking awesome. But it does hurt to see Caleb Downs go elsewhere when he's a home state guy like that. And um, and to see him go to Alabama, so I think that's the biggest miss in this class. I know some people might argue Justice Haynes with the legacy things, but I I think Caleb Downs is just a better player than Justice Haynes. So it's got to be Downs for me. But all right, guys, I really hate to cut this short today, but I got a little bit of a late start recording today, and the Georgia basketball game is about to tip off at Auburn, and I want to make sure to go watch that. Can't miss that. I'm very anxious to see if we can pull the sweep on Auburn for the first time in a long time in basketball. So excited about that. So I'm gonna go ahead and close things out today. But thank you guys for being here. As always, appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. And make sure to check back with us next week because as you guys know, we're gonna keep things rolling, keep the content churning out week after week, all off season long. But thank you guys, appreciate you. I will see y'all next week. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>